Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. Okay, we have been in this series called True Prayer, and we're walking through the Lord's Prayer. And this is one another, we always do this, but the Lord, you know, speaks to us and says, this is where I want you to be. So he's speaking to us about prayer, and he spoke to me specifically about the Lord's Prayer and how it's a paradigm of prayer. Say paradigm. paradigm. It's not just words we use. We don't want to be guilty of heaping up empty words to God. We want to step into a realm of true prayer. Does that make sense? It's a prayer perspective. It's an ideology in prayer. It's a direction towards where our prayer should begin and where they should end. Is that making sense? We are, this is week five. I don't know how many weeks it's going to take me, uh, but we're going to stay here till we get through the whole thing. And I'm not going to do a recap. You can go and watch on our YouTube channel. By the way, welcome all of our brand new YouTube streamers. We're streaming to YouTube for the first time today. Hello, all of you on YouTube. Good to see you. And Facebook, obviously, we still love you, Facebook, but YouTube as well. Uh, we're going to jump into Matthew 6, which is where this whole prayer is, okay? But here's the bottom line. This is my style, just the way I do it. I like to give you the bottom line and then prove it, okay? So here it is. Are you ready? True prayer brings heaven to earth. It actually does it. It doesn't just say it or sing it. I love that song that we just sang, Nothing Less Than Heaven. Gigi and I actually wrote that song together, and it's the first time I requested a song ever. It's probably the last time because... I don't know if you've been a worship leader, like, that's the worst. Like, <laughs> the lead guy goes, hey, could you play this song? You're like, oh, you can't say no. You know, so anyway, it's, it's so amazing to sing these things. But what if we attach our faith to the prayer idea that it was going to happen? Like, because we pray it, because we partner with it in prayer, heaven is actually going to come. Like, what would happen? And it's a belief that true prayer does that. It brings heaven to earth, okay? So I'm going to read Matthew 6, 9 through 10. This is the, the start of the Lord's Prayer. It says, pray like this. I don't care if you think, like, you have a prayer ministry or not. You're called to intercession or not. Or you feel like you're very good at prayer. It doesn't matter. That doesn't sound like a suggestion to me. Jesus said, pray. So you're all called to pray. Amen? I don't need to go to that prayer meeting. I'm, I'm going to let the prayer, the intercessors take care of it. No? Pray like this. Here's how to pray. I love it. I love it when Jesus very rarely comes straight out with it. He said, do it like this. It's a rare thing, and I love it when he does it. So here it is. Pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, uphold the holiness of your name. Bring in your kingdom so that your will is done on earth as it's done in heaven. That's the common English Bible. Good translation. You can find it in the version app. I like it. I'm going to say something flat out. I don't mean to offend you with. I promise. I, I, I do not mean to offend. It is not my purpose to offend. It's not my purpose to flick you in the nose. One of my pastors calls me a spiritual agitator. That's what he calls me. He's, he's like, you know that part of your washing machine that it doesn't have, it's not the soap, it's not the water, but it's that thing that gets the soap and the water actually it's called an agitator, and it gets this open water everywhere. That's me. So 
you came to hear the agitator this morning, right now, this is what you're doing. If it agitates you, I'm okay with it, but that's not my goal. I say these things because I get a bad rap sometimes for it. I'm just trying to be offensive. I'm not. I just, this is all the Lord says to me. He says it this way. I say it to you, and sometimes it hurts. Okay. Are you all right? <laughs> all right. We need to stop praying to get to heaven and start praying for heaven to get here. I'm not trying to agitate you or flip everything on its head, even if that's what this does, but stop it. And I'm not just talking about praying a salvation prayer that isn't in the Bible. Not just talking about that. I'm talking about the attitude we take to prayer, the attitude we carry when meeting trials, the attitude we bring to the gas pump and our bank account, you know, and when we see bad news, when we feel like everything's going wrong, the attitude of the church right now is, oh, get me out of here, God. Get me out of here. Get me off of earth and into heaven. That's the attitude of prayer. It is not how Jesus instructed us to pray. And it's not semantics either. It's a paradigm. It's a reality. It's a realm of prayer. Are you with me? <sighs> Praying to get to heaven is actually relinquishing the call to restore the earth. Praying to, be, to escape from this wicked and perverse generation. Our leaders are bad. There's war. I hate my job. Oh, Jesus, come quickly. That is not appropriate. I'm being funny so you can laugh your way through it. But it's wrong. It's sinful. It's direct disobedience to the way he called you to pray. Because it's opposite. I could go really far with this right now. How agitated do you want to get? How, how agitated do we need to get? I could go, I could push some buttons. Okay, anything that's directly opposite of Christ is antichrist. That's an antichrist prayer mentality. The church is praying more anointed by the antichrist mentality than the Christ. Because we're praying directly opposite what he said to pray. You worried about the antichrist? Look in the mirror when you pray. We got to stop. Is it not directly opposite? Who would like to confess right now? They've prayed the opposite of this. Like we said, get me out of here, Lord. Yeah, me too. I've got my hand up. I've done that. I've done it. Done it often. It, I'm trying to stop it. You know, you're actually called to restore the earth. Did you know that? Isaiah 61 contains the, what's called the messianic mandate. Okay, Isaiah 61 is what Jesus stood up at the beginning of his ministry. He opened the scroll and read from Isaiah and spoke of himself. He sat down in the seat of the Messiah and said, this speaks of me. All right, this is what he says. Isaiah 61, 1 through 4. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Let me ask you a question. Have you been poor? Have you been brokenhearted? Have you been captive? Have you been bound? He was sent for you, right? This is why Jesus came. He didn't come for the ones who had it all together. He came for the mess who needed a Messiah. M-E-S-S-I-A-H. 
all right? He came for you and I who were desperate for a solution. He said, it continues, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Have you mourned? Have you been given beauty for ashes? Have you, is this speaking of what Jesus did for you or not? Yes, it is. Are you ready? Next slide. They shall build. Who's they? The poor that got rescued. The broken that got healed. The ones that Jesus actually touches and makes into new creations. You're not saved to get out of here. You're saved to be a restoration agent. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. That's the fruit of the Messiah's ministry. You and me becoming restorers, repairers of the breach, Isaiah 58 says. All the broken places becoming mended. Through the return of the Lord? No. No. Through the, the second coming? No. Through the rapture? No. Through you. We are praying, Jesus, please restore these ancient ruins. Jesus, please raise up all these former devastations. Raise up the ruined cities. Repair. Come and fix it, Lord. Fix it, Jesus. He is not answering that prayer. Praying with the wrong spirit. Relinquishing the assignment to become a restorer. You can just blink at any time to repent so that I know and you know. Just blink and then we all know. I just don't want to relinquish that assignment for another moment. And I don't want us to be praying to escape when he's called, when we're called to pray restoration. Come on. And I'm going to mess with your eschatology a little bit today, a lot of it, okay? And it's going to be all right. You're going to be okay. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're going to be fine. Just say it. Turn to your neighbor. Now turn to your neighbor you don't like as much, the other one, and say, you also are going to be fine. <laughs> this is true. Heaven is the blueprint, y'all. Heaven is the blueprint. Heaven is the blueprint. I said it a few weeks ago. But... The Father, Father God is like a painter. Jesus is the model. You are the painting, and he's using the dysfunction of your life as the paint. And he's actually manifesting Christ. He's good like that. He can take your bad habits. He can take your inadequacies. In your weakness, he's proven strong and really good at what he does. Okay? But Jesus is supposed to come through his people and bring the kingdom realm. Just like we sang, just like we pray these words. Are you with me? It's the blueprint. Heaven is the blueprint. Listen to this. Out of Revelation 21, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The whole book of Revelation reveals Jesus. The first line of the letter says this is the revelation unveiling of Jesus Christ. So everything that comes after that is the revelation of Jesus Christ, not Antichrist, not the end times. Okay? Yeah. All right. 
John is having a vision, and he sees something at the end of the book. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Wait. We've been called a city on a hill. We've been called the bride of Christ. John didn't see the bride escaping the earth and into heaven. John saw the bride, the new Jerusalem, the holy city coming out of heaven to the earth. Do you see how this is opposite of a lot of our core Christian? Well, they're not Christian, actually. They're Western beliefs. Sorry, they're not actually Christian. I just want to be biblical in my Christianity. I don't know about you. I just, I understand there's a lot of opinions about this. And I might be flicking you in the nose. It's okay with me. You're going to be fine. It's important that we take from the scriptures the idea of how this is supposed to work, not impose our ideas on the scriptures about how it's supposed to work. Amen? Why does it say coming out of heaven to the earth? From there to here. Why does it say that? It goes on later in that chapter, verse 3, Revelation 21, 3 through 5. It says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with the man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Now, here's the blueprint. Emmanuel, God with us. What's the result? He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That's the blueprint of heaven that you're called to bring to earth. You're called to partner with that becoming a reality here. I know I'm running right up against hundreds of years of bad programming. All right, I know. And you're like, oh, but Jesus is going to do that, right? No, he said you're supposed to do that. He said, I'm going to come proclaim liberty to the captives. I'm going to release all these prisoners, and they will build but well, we think we're released and free just to get out of here. No. It continues. He who is seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down for these, are, these words are trustworthy and true. We are called to pray that that kingdom comes. That will is done on earth as it is in heaven right here, right now right here, right now. The new heaven and the new earth are actually to be brought in by the prayers of the saints. Are you with me? Do you see this? Yes? No? A few of you. Okay, good. I'm just telling you, like this church, we're not looking to escape the earth. Like I'm telling you who we are. We are not looking to escape the earth and get to heaven. We are praying for heaven to come to the earth, not to get off the earth and into heaven. I'm repeating myself on purpose. On purpose. There's purpose here. Because you've been brainwashed. Now I'm trying to wash your brain. Okay. With the truth. Now, I want to be balanced in these things. Because all truth is held in tension. If you don't know, I call it the tightrope of truth. All right? Yeah, that thing has to stay at a certain point of tension in order to walk it. You've seen a tightrope walker? If you slack the line, they're going down. But if you keep it tense, you can get from where you are to where you're going. 
And so we also need to be able to walk in the tension of truth. All truth is intentional. It's all intentional. All right? So let's deal with the tension here. We know the Lord is coming again. We believe in the bodily return of Jesus. Amen? I'm talking about this church. Like you don't have to believe. That's fine. But this is, I'm, I lead this thing. All right? We believe <laughs> in the bodily return of Christ. I don't claim to understand the bodily return of Christ. I don't even understand how flesh and bone is on a throne. A man is on the throne of heaven right now. A human. I don't get that. I don't understand it, but it's true. I'm called a believer, not an understander. Come on. And if God can fit in your brain, you can reproduce it. That's called idol making. God is supposed to be outside of your understanding. I don't want a God I can understand. Hello? Just me. Okay, you do. That's fine. All right, just me. <laughs> I'm joking. Listen to this. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18, all right? For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. I want to point out you're called to encourage one another with those words, and you're called to pray different words. You're like, okay, you're making something out of nothing. Why does it say encourage one another with these words? Believe it. Encourage one another. This is going to happen. But Jesus said, pray this way. Thy kingdom come. That will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not wait for him to take us up. It doesn't say pray this. Find me a translation that says pray this way. It doesn't exist. Why? Because it's an encouragement, not a prayer. It's not a paradigm of expect. It's an expectation. But it's not how we're to partner. We're partnered by being builders, not escapers. And I just want to say a couple things that will flip it on its head for you. By the way, when it says caught up together with them in the clouds, the is in the English. It's not in the Greek. It's in clouds. Caught up together in clouds. I can think of a few clouds that include people, like the cloud of witnesses. Did you know that eight times in your Bible, people are referred to as clouds? People. We'll, caught up, we'll be together like clouds. You're like, wait a minute, so we're not going to, like, lift up off the earth? Maybe, I don't know, but we're definitely going to be together cloud-like. <laughs> definitely true. I know it. See, the church hates mystery. The Western church hates mystery. We run for mystery. We treat mystery like COVID-19.653, you know? <laughs> it's like a new version every two seconds. We are like, mystery? No. If I don't understand it, if I'm confused, it's not God. Because God is not a God of confusion, and that confuses me. <laughs> my good buddy Daniel, he's on the second row. He rocked my world once. He said, God's not a God of confusion, but he is a God of nonsense. <laughs> Ain't always going to make sense. That's the truth. Did you know that God's not a God of confusion? That, that word confusion is instability. There's no instability in him. He's totally stable. You might not get it, but he's good. Okay. The point, though, is we're told to encourage, to believe these things, but we're told to pray other words by the coming king himself. We're told to believe and encourage one another that he's coming for us, but we're told by that coming king to pray a different way. Are you hearing me? 
I just take this seriously. Let's read a couple more scriptures. First John 3, 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now. I'm not waiting to become a child of God. When we all get to heaven, right? I'm not waiting for that. I'm a child of God right now. Hello, are you? Okay, we are God's children right now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. The tension of truth. Hello? But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. No veil. Not in as in a glass dimly. Full on. 1 John 4, 17, same letter. Later on, he says, by this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is ascended, already seated in heavenly places, so also are we in this world. This world. Let me ask you a question. If it's about getting off the earth and into heaven, what the heck are the meek going to inherit? You know the scripture, Matthew 5, 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What are they going to inherit if, it, if this is going to not exist? You're like, I, I, you, I know. Like, do you know Jesus said the same, that too? Like, Jesus is right about that. They will inherit the earth. Quit stealing the meek's inheritance with your opinion. I was going to say theology, but it's not theology. It's not biblical. You can't call it theology. It's not the study of God. <laughs> I love the quiet. Both things can be true at the same time. This is my whole point. Both things. We're called to bring heaven to earth, and Jesus is coming back to the earth to take us to himself. But the point of that scripture in 1 Thessalonians is that we will always be with the Lord. It concludes with, so that we will always be with the Lord. That's the conclusion. That's the end of the statement. That's the, that's the whole point. So the point is not about getting out of here. It's about being with the Lord always. That's the point of that scripture. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to heaven except through me. Sorry, no, that's not what it says. I know 90% of this room believes that. That's not what it says. John 14, he says, no one comes through the Father except through me. It's a relationship. It's about being with the Lord. I don't even like saying I'm going to heaven because it feels like a confession of doubt. Ephesians 2, 6 through 7 says, I'm already seated with him in heavenly places. I'm already there. So I'm going home later because I'm not there now. I'm going to go home in a little while. I'm going to take a nap, and then I'm going to preach in Wesley Chapel. I'm going to be in Wesley Chapel tonight. I'm not there now. I'm going there. So for me to say I'm going to heaven feels like I'm not there now. Just me, just personally. I've stopped saying it. So how does this happen? Now that we're all confused, how does this practically happen? Well, let me just read you some scriptures that unveil that in a way you might not be expecting, okay? 2 Chronicles 2.6. This is Solomon, David's son. 2 Chronicles 2.6 says, he said, who is able to build him, God, a house? Since heaven, even the highest heaven, cannot contain him. Who am I to build a house for him, even uh, except as a place to make offerings before him? So listen, the heavens cannot contain God. Did you read that? So you have a paradigm that says God is in heaven. And I understand the prayer says our God who art in heaven. That's true. Here's the other side of the tension. Heaven doesn't contain God. Heaven is not the container. God does not fit inside of God. 
are in heaven. Are you following me? God is bigger than heaven. Heaven is not bigger than God. Are you with me? So he says, how will I build you a house? Even the highest heavens cannot contain you. So God is not in heaven. Heaven is in God. Are you okay? You following me? So it's going to get worse. So you need to make sure we're all on the bus here. God is not contained by heaven. Therefore, God must contain heaven. Okay. Let's read some more scriptures. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you? Okay. Colossians 2, 9 through 10 says, In him, Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. So God is not contained by heaven. God contains heaven. But you and I contain God. The heavens can't contain him, but you can. Are you the temple of the Holy Spirit? Have you been filled with him who is full of the whole fullness of God? Yeah. Dang right, you're full of it. (laughs) I'm filled with the whole fullness of God because Christ is in me. This is the mystery that was hidden for the ages. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not Christ in heaven, not Christ on the cloud. Christ in your chair. How is heaven coming to earth? Through earthen vessels. Who are full with his fullness. To the point of overflowing. I know, you're like, but can't we just pray for him to come back and fix it? No. No. God's ways are the best ways. And he said, I'm going to use the people I set free to rebuild this thing. If you're filled with the whole fullness of God, and God contains heaven, heaven doesn't contain God, then all of heaven is inside of you. The whole kingdom is inside of you. Jesus said it. He said, don't look for the kingdom over there, over there. The kingdom is within you. We have a really low expectation of ourselves in the Western church. We're just trying to get in and out of Walmart without cussing somebody out. Just me? Or <laughs> can't laugh today. I have bruised ribs. I'm not joking. <laughs> we think if I can just like hang on till Sunday and not be a jerk. I'm doing good. I'm growing spiritually. What a low-level belief when you're called a gate of heaven. Psalm 24, 7 through 9 says, Wake up, you living gateways. Lift up your heads, you doorways of eternity. Welcome the King of glory, for he is about to come through you. You ask, who is this king of glory? Yahweh, armed and ready for battle. Yahweh, invincible in every way. So wake up, you living gateways, and rejoice. Fling wide, you eternal doors. Here he comes. The king of glory is ready to come in. Unless you shut it off. I'm just going to... I'm just going to... 
do me. I'm just going to make it through. I'm just going to provide for me and my three. I'm just going to have a good day. Those are the eternal doorways, the living gateways, shutting the way for the one. What a responsibility you and I have. Can you just level up your expectation? Like, can you expect heaven to come through you? You've got faith for bad things to come through you. Why not just use your faith for good things to come through you? Like, I believe it. You know, fear and faith use the same muscle, right? Fear is just faith pointed in the wrong direction. It's convictions of things you don't hope for, things you don't want to see. It's the same muscle. So those who are fearful, good news, you have great capacity for faith. Same muscle. I just want to believe that I'm a living gateway and the king of glory wants to come through me. Jesus is, in fact, coming through his people before he's coming back to his people. Jesus is coming through us before he comes back for us. That's how we live in the tension of this truth. Heaven coming to earth looks like earthen vessels actually acting heavenly. Imagine that. (laughs) And true prayer is what brings that heaven to earth. It sets itself as a gateway and says, here, you, you can come through here. You can come through my life. You can come through the way I treat my, my fellow employees. You can come through the way I speak to my spouse. You can come through the way I manage my finances. Come on. This is not just pie in the sky stuff. This is extremely practical. Opening, unlocking the gate of your heart sometimes is difficult because your gate needs to be restored. Some of you, your gates are broken down and busted up. And you need to admit it so that you can start the process of healing. Your gate needs to be restored so that you can be effective. Not for you, for others. Your healing is never for you. Your salvation was never for you. Not alone. You're called to build, called to restore the earth. It starts with R-E-S-T. Resting in his finished work, resting in his rescue, and letting him flow through our lives into others. Evangelism is actually extremely easy when you believe you're a gate of heaven. And all of heaven's resources are right behind your doors. Oh, you're in pain? I have something for that. Oh, you need finances? I have something for that. My dad owns everything. You know? Oh, you, you, you're going through a hard time? I have something for that. I'm just a gate for the way. And I'm going to open it up and let him come through me. That's how heaven comes to earth. Instead of praying, oh, God, get me out of here. It says, oh, God, get through here. Come through. It takes faith to expect that's even the plan. You know what I'm saying? That's my goal today. That you would leave here believing true prayer brings heaven to earth through the people of earth that God has rescued. So would you stand? Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.